0: Welcome to the Dhamma Podcast. The audio recording that follows was recorded during Esen Goenka's tour of North America in 2002, known as the Meditation Now Tour. This podcast will be updated monthly, with additional archives from Esen talks and questions-and-answer sessions, as well as other speakers discussing aspects of Vipassana meditation as taught by Esen This podcast is sponsored by Pariyati a non-profit publisher that offers written, audio, and video content and whose mission is to enrich the world by disseminating the words of the Buddha, providing sustenance for the seeker's journey, and illuminating the meditator's path. For more information regarding Pariyati, please go to www.pariyati.org. That is org. For more information on Vipassana meditation as taught by S. Goenka including a schedule of courses offered throughout the world, please see www.dhamma.org. That is www.dhamma.org. Friends,
1: we have all assembled here this evening to understand what is Vipassana, and how does it help us in our day to day life how is it relevant in today's miserable situation of the mankind vipassana is nothing but pure spirituality applied spirituality Every religion has the teaching of spirituality as the inner essential core, quintessence of every religion is spirituality and spirituality is to live a moral life, ethical life, with a disciplined mind, a pure mind full of love, compassion, goodwill and tolerance. Every religion worth its name teaches this spirituality. But then with this inner core There is an outer shell. This inner core is uniform in every religion. Greatest common denominator of all religions. Common teaching of all religions. But every religion has the outer shell which differs from one religion to another. This outer shell is different rites, different rituals, different ceremonies, celebrations, beliefs, philosophical beliefs, dogmas, and so many other things, where one religion differs with another religion. Nothing wrong. People of any religion may be happy, may remain happy with the outer shell, but if they forget the inner, inner essence of the religion, then everything is lost. Then the trouble starts. For a while of one religion, give so much importance to the outer shell of their religion and get attached to it. This is the right thing. This is the right belief. People who don't believe, This kind of rites, rituals, ceremonies and philosophical beliefs are not religious people and to generate aversion, hatred, and animosity towards others. Why? Because they have forgotten the inner essence. If the inner essence is given importance, let people be happy with the outer self. But without inner essence, without spirituality, it is just the empty vessel, empty container. region becomes an empty container where the nectar has leaked out. Now it contains nothing. And there the trouble starts. Now we see men killing another man, without you knowing. This person does not know anything about this another person, but kills him. There is no enmity between the two. They don't know each other, and yet they kill. Because this person does not belong to my religion. Or this person does not belong to my race. This person does not belong to my country. This person does not belong to my community. Does not belong to my belief, my dogma. All that creates trouble. What is the answer? The answer is generate more and more pure spirituality in the minds of the people, not giving much importance to the outer shell. If the inner essence of every religion becomes predominant in the mind of the people, all these conflicts will go away. This is what the enlightened person did. 2,600 years ago similar situation was there. Now of course it is worse. So the teaching of pure spirituality is as relevant today as it was 2,600 years ago. Or I would say more relevant today. Misery is much bigger. So much of terror, horror. So much of inhuman activities, cruel activities going on. Importance has to be given to the inner spiritual part of the religion. But that can only be possible if one applies it in life. Merely if you keep on saying my religion also has got the same spiritual teaching. My religion also has got the same spiritual teaching. But if nobody practices then it is worthless. Again we keep generating ego. Look, my my religion is so good, my religion is so good. You are not practicing spirituality. 2600 years ago this enlightened person He saw the misery all around and tried to find out a way how to come out of misery in a very scientific way. No blind belief involved, no blind faith involved. The truth, understand the truth and work with the truth, the problems will get solved. People from different sects, different beliefs, would come to argue with him. Look, my belief is so correct. My belief. Smiling, he will say, "The field where we differ, please keep it aside. The field where we don't differ, let us talk on that. Morality, we don't differ. You also agree. I also agree. And for morality, one must have control over the mind." One must be master of the mind, you also agree, I also agree. And mere control of the mind won't help, there must be purity of the mind. Purity not just on the surface of the mind, purity in the totality of the mind. You agree? Yes, I agree. Now, let us work. Morality, control of the mind, mastery over the mind. And purity of the mind. But merely accepting it won't help. Now practice, come I will teach you how to practice. And the practice is so scientific, so rational, so pragmatic, so result-oriented, people start working and they get the result. They find really, really this pure spirituality. I was very fortunate. At the age of 31 years, I came in contact with this technique of Vipassana, pure spirituality. I was born and brought up in a very staunch, conservative Hindu family. Due to certain reasons, I had to take a course of 10 days of Vipassana. Initially, there was hesitation. Oh, this is a Buddhist technique. I may get converted to Buddhism? Oh no. Why I should get converted to Buddhism? Because from the childhood, I was told, Better die in your own religion, but never go to any other religion. This was the training, training of the mind. How can I go to this religion? The teacher who was a very compassionate person. I met him. A very saintly person, a high official of the government, a householder, the first accountant general of independent Burma. He asked me, you are leader of the Hindu community in Burma. Tell me, in your religion, is there any objection to the life of morality? How can there be objection, sir? This is acceptable by like anybody. Everybody, no, we have got no objection. But how can you live a moral life unless you have control of your over your mind? I will teach you morality, but along with that, I will teach you how to control your mind, how to discipline your mind. We call it samadhi. Any objection? What objection? I cannot control my mind. That is why I am in misery. If somebody teaches me how to control the mind. Wonderful, i got no objection. Mere controlling the mind won't help. At the deepest level of the mind, at the root level of the mind, everyone has a habit pattern. Habit pattern of generating some impurity or the other. This is a storehouse of your impurity. This habit pattern, although with controlled mind, you may purify the mind at the surface level, but when there is a volcanic eruption, Of your old stock. Again you are the same person. I will teach you. A technique. You observe the reality within yourself. And see what is happening at the depth of the mind. And purify the mind. At the deep root level. Any objection? What objection? If somebody teaches me to purify my mind. Totality of my mind. Wonderful sir. No objection. That's all. We teach nothing else morality, disciplined mind, pure mind, and when the mind is pure, totally pure, then naturally it gets filled up with positive feelings, love, compassion, goodwill, etc. They just happen. You won't have to try for that, you won't have to practice for that. I thought in my mind, there doesn't seem to be anything wrong. Let me give it a trial. And also he said, look, I am not here to convert you from your religion to any other religion. And that became very clear later on as I practiced. Vipassana is not to convert people from one organized religion to another organized religion. Conversion is involved, but the conversion is from misery to happiness, from bondage to liberation, from cruelty to compassion. What objection? Well, let me give it a try. I joined the course. Before the course started, he gave me a small booklet. The first page of it contained one of the teachings of Buddha. Till then, I'd never read any word of Buddha, any book of Buddha, because this is foreign religion, not my religion. I shouldn't read, I shouldn't read. That was the first thing I read. And Buddha says in the Kalama Sutta, don't believe. He says, don't believe. Don't believe because many people are believing it. Don't believe because it is in your tradition to believe it. Don't believe it because to you it looks quite logical. Don't believe. Don't believe because it is in my scripture. Don't believe. Don't believe even your teacher says so, even I say, don't believe. Experiment. Experience. Whatever teaching is given, you experience yourself. And then you find it is not only logical and rational, it is very good for me and also good for others, then only accept it. And not only accept it at the intellectual level or emotional, devotional level, live that life this is really helpful to you and helpful to others. It was something new for me because the tradition in which I was born, it is said you don't have any doubt, have no doubt in the words of the teacher, have no doubts in the words of the scriptures, otherwise you will go to hell and if you have no doubt, then you will go to heaven. This was the training and here somebody says, don't believe, don't believe, don't believe. It was something, it thrilling experience, something new. I said, good. And my teacher also said, don't believe, you practice and as you practice and whatever you experience if you find that it is good for you, good for others and it is logical, rational then only accept, otherwise not. That gave me confidence. Let me try. I have come here to give a trial. All right. As I proceeded these ten days It was so revealing, the whole law of nature became so clear. Universal law of nature, which is applied to everyone. The teaching of morality is everywhere. This person also taught, don't kill, don't steal something which does not belong to you, don't commit any sexual misconduct don't speak lies to deceive others, don't speak harsh words, don't get intoxicated and then you lose your senses and do all the wrong things. This teaching was there. Even before Buddha, there were teachers in India teaching the same thing. After Buddha also teaching the same thing. What specialty? The wonderful specialty was there. Of course, at the intellectual level to understand why we should live a moral life. Human being is a human being. It's a social being. He has to live with the members of the family, members of the society. And if you perform any vocal action or physical action which harms other beings, hurts other beings, disturbs the peace and harmony of other beings, then suddenly it is not good for you. Because you are disturbing the whole atmosphere of the society. How can you live peacefully when you are disturbing the peace of others? At the intellectual level, yes. That's good, understandable. But that was not enough. Every word, every teaching has to be experienced. And for that, to me, Buddha was a great super scientist scientist of the field of spirituality, super-scientist. When people say that he founded a religion, he was the founder of a religion, after going through his teachings, practical, and also his words, it became so clear. He had nothing to do. He was teaching pure scientific way of life, how to live peacefully and harmoniously within And how to generate nothing but peace and harmony for the atmosphere outside so that others can also live in peace and harmony. His enlightenment was that as a scientist he kept on making an analytical study of the truth. truth, truth about oneself, truth about this physical structure, truth about this mental structure and he realized there's a constant interaction going on between mind and matter. At the deepest level, one keeps on reacting to this react, these constant interaction going on and without knowing what is happening deep inside, one keeps on generating one impurity or the other, anger, hatred, ill will, animosity, passion, fear, ego, all these, they are generated at the depth of the mind and they keep coming up time and again, they come on the surface and one becomes a prisoner of this habit pattern, and starts doing things at the vocal level and the physical level, which is very harmful. Not only that, he discovered that why and how these impurities arise. There was a teaching in the country, before Buddha and also outside countries, all the religious teachers will say, and it says, still they are saying, don't get indulged in the outside sensual objects. When you come in contact with a shape or form or color or light, coming in contact with the eyes, a sound coming in contact with the ears, a smell coming in contact with the nose, a taste coming in contact with the tongue, something tangible coming in contact with the body, a thought or emotion coming in contact with the mind, don't react. Don't get indulged. The normal habit pattern is, if you like it, you start generating craving, clinging, craving, clinging. If you dislike it, you start generating aversion, hatred, aversion. This is the habit pattern of every normal human being. And the teaching of every religion is, don't react in this way. Don't generate craving or aversion. All other impurities of the mind come after this craving, aversion, craving, aversion. Now Buddha says you are not reacting to the outside object. This was his discovery, wonderful discovery. It appears to be so that you are reacting to some outside object coming in contact to your sense door, one sense door or the other. This is apparent truth. Real truth is, when any outside object comes in contact with the sense door, immediately there is a sensation in the body, there is a feeling of sensation throughout the body. And if you give valuation to that object, Oh good! Then you will find the sensations are very pleasant. Very pleasant flow of sensations. If you give valuation, Oh very bad! This object is very bad. Then this flow of sensation becomes very unpleasant. Very unpleasant. And then only you start reacting. All this happens so quickly. One cannot even understand what is happening deep inside. And the reaction starts. When there is a pleasant sensation, reaction starts with craving, clinging, craving, clinging. Unpleasant sensation, aversion, hatred, aversion, hatred. This habit pattern is there at the depth of the mind. Unless you come out of this habit pattern and try to rectify your mind at the surface level. Oh no, I should not react with craving, I should not react with aversion. You are training your mind not to react to the outside object. Good. It keeps your mind pure at the surface level. Deep inside, this reaction of craving and aversion going on constantly, constantly. There are sensations, physical sensations throughout the body, every moment, day and night. Pleasant, unpleasant, pleasant, unpleasant. And keeps on generating craving, aversion, craving, aversion. This habit pattern becomes stronger and stronger. Now the teaching, Vipassana wants you first to train your mind to get concentrated, that is to discipline the mind, this wandering mind, a monkey mind, you concentrate on one object, but object must be truth, no imagination involved, truth, truth about yourself. Truth pertaining to the body structure, truth pertaining to the mental structure, the combination of the two, see what is happening. One starts realizing the truth about oneself. When somebody comes to a course of ten days, this is what one starts doing. What reality has manifested? And one finds the breath coming in, breath going out, start with that. This is the reality. No verbalization is allowed, otherwise mind will start rolling in the verbal, verbalization. No visualization, no imagination, no imposition of this philosophical belief or that philosophical belief, nothing doing. No auto-suggestion or outer suggestion nothing doing. The truth, nothing but truth, bare truth, mere truth pertaining to your mind and matter structure. So breath, just breath as it is. And don't try to Control the breath. Don't make it a breathing exercise. If it is deep, it is deep. If it is shallow, it is shallow. Passing to left nostril, left nostril, right nostril, right nostril. Just accept the reality as it is. Don't interfere with the natural flow of the breath. The whole practice is to develop the faculty of awareness of the reality as it is. The reality pertaining to your mind, pertaining to your body. And work on a small area. He wanted to work on a very small area, below the nostrils, above the upper lip. Here you feel the breath coming in, going out, coming in, going out. Initially, first day, second day is difficult. Mind wanders so much. But you keep on working patiently, persistently, patiently, persistently. By the time you reach the third day, you find mind is getting calmed down. Not totally calmed down, much better compared to what it was on the first day. And because you're working on a small area, working with the truth, no imagination is involved and continuously working on this area, working on this area, the mind becomes sharper and sharper, more and more subtle, it becomes more and more sensitive and starts feeling subtler realities, again pertaining to your body, pertaining to your mind, you start feeling some physical sensations on this area, different kinds of physical sensations. Every time throughout the body, some biochemical reaction is going on. Some electromagnetic reaction is going on, which manifests itself as this physical sensation or that physical sensation. Something is there all the time. Maybe heat, maybe perspiration, maybe throbbing, pulsing, vibrating, tingling, heaviness, numbness, anything, just observe, don't react, just observe. On fourth day you start from the top of the head to the tips of the toes. Everywhere, throughout the body. There are sensations. This type of sensation or that type of sensation. Sensations, physical sensations. You feel all those sensations, but remain equanimous. Don't react. Old habit was to react. And which comes as you practice unpleasant sensation, you react with coercion. Pleasant sensation, ah, wonderful. You react with craving. That old habit keeps on working, but you keep on training your mind. Don't react, just observe. Unpleasant sensation is a reason. Let me see how long it lasts. Is it eternal? Sooner or later it passes away. A pleasant sensation is the reason. Sooner or later it passes away. Oh, ephemeral, impermanent, changing. The entire physical structure constantly changing. Entire mental structure constantly changing. Just observe to nothing. You are changing the habit pattern of the mind at the deepest level. The deepest part of the mind, the root part of the mind is constantly in touch with the body sensations and constantly reacting with craving or aversion, craving or aversion. Now we are trying to change that habit pattern. What happens? Practicing, taking a course for 10 days and practicing every day, getting more and more establishing, two part of it, one part. You must have the faculty to feel sensations, all kinds of sensations. These gross, solidified, intensified, unpleasant sensations we feel anyway. There's a pain, there's pressure, there's heaviness, there's heat. Everybody experiences it. But there are so many subtler sensations deep inside. So many subtler sensations throughout the physical structure. There's oscillation going on every moment, arising, passing, arising, passing. Twenty-six centuries back, this super-scientist discovered the entire material structure. It appears to be solid. There is no solidity. Now the scientist, present-day scientist says, there is no solidity in the entire material world. They are all atoms. And there is also vibration, vibration, wavelet, wavelet. Twenty-six centuries back, without any scientific apparatus or instrument, by his own experience, by insight, he discovered atoms, which he said kalapa in the language of those days. Tiniest particle of the matter, entire structure, physical structure, entire universe, material universe made of these kalapas, atoms. And there is also not solid, vibration, vibration, sabbhu, loku, pakampito, pakampito, entire universe, mere vibration, vibration, this wavelength or that wavelength, this velocity or that velocity but mere vehement, vehement, vehement. When one reaches that stage, it becomes so easy to live a moral life. Then one starts understanding that whenever something undesirable happens outside, the old habit was to react with anger, with hatred, aversion. Now one understands. As soon as I generate anger, I am generating anger to harm this person who has misbehaved or who has harmed me in some way or the other. So I generate anger in him. still. I feel very logical, this anger. But with this practice it becomes so clear. You want to harm somebody by generating anger or aversion or hatred or animosity. But what are you doing? You started harming yourself. The moment you generate anger and now you are aware of the sensations, their quality, their characteristic, and you find as soon as generated anger, there is a burning sensation in the whole body. Burning sensation. Palpitation increases. Tension gets built up. One becomes so miserable. Before harming anybody, I started harming myself. Then it becomes so clear. His teaching, he says, Pubbe Hanati Hanati You always first harm yourself and then only you harm others. Nobody wants to harm oneself because one is ignorant. One doesn't know what one is doing deep inside. One keeps on harming oneself and without knowing what I'm doing, now it becomes clear why I live a moral life. At the apparent level I'm a social person, human being living in the society. I should not harm others. So when I live a moral life I don't perform any physical or vocal action which will disturb others. Good. Now it becomes clear. I'm not lo- obliging the society only. I'm obliging myself. When I live a moral life, I'm obliging myself. Because every time, any immoral action, I'm the first victim. I'm the first victim of my negativity. If I try to kill somebody, then anger, hatred, Ill will, and I become so miserable. <coughs> I steal something belonging to somebody, I generate tremendous amount of greed and I lose the balance of my mind, I lose the peace of my mind, I lose the harmony of my mind. Sexual misconduct, I have to generate a lot of passion, lust, a good meditator understands I lost the balance of my mind, I lost the peace of my mind, I become so miserable. Any action, vocal or physical, if it is immoral, you cannot Practice this immoral action without generating some impurity or the other in the mind. This is law of nature. And when you generate impurity in the mind, you are the first victim, you become miserable. It becomes clearer and clearer. Nobody wants to harm oneself. Everybody wants to live a peaceful life, happy life, harmonious life. And look what I've started doing. What I've started doing, the habit pattern starts changing. Because now you have developed the faculty to feel the sensations and understand with these sensations how you are reacting by generating some unwholesome vocal action or unwholesome physical action and you are not only harming others, you are harming yourself also. So the morality becomes practical morality. More and more one gets established in this technique and the technique is so universal, non-sectarian. You are observing your breath, breath is not sectarian. You can't say this is Hindu breath or Buddhist breath or Jewish breath or Christian. Breath is breath. Our human being, the breath is there. And then you start observing the sensations on the body and what arises in the mind you observe, anger and what kind of sensation, pressure, what kind of sensation. This is again non-sectarian. When anger arises you can't give a label Hindu anger or Buddhist anger or Christian anger. This sensation or that sensation, all non sectarian, pure science of the interaction of mind and matter. More and more one gets established in this, naturally the life becomes full of morality. The sermons, of course, they are good. If we listen to good sermons, at least the surface of the mind becomes pure, becomes calm. One does not want to perform any moral action. But that is only at the surface level. Deep inside, this behaviour pattern is there. And unless we change this behaviour pattern at the deep level, misery is there all the time. We can't come out of misery. A very poisonous tree, huge tree, we may cut it off. But the roots are there. Again, another tree will arise. More and more trees will arise. We have to work to dig out the roots. And that was the teaching of the enlightened one. Go to the depth where you feel sensations. And because of the old habit, you keep on reacting to that. Just observe. Do nothing. Just observe. Because of the old habit, you may be reacting for some time. Again you train your mind. Don't react. Just see. Is it eternal? Or is it impermanent? It is impermanent. It arises, passes away, arises, passes away. There is no meaning, there is no purpose of reacting to something which is constantly changing, neither with craving nor with aversion the habit pattern starts changing. And when the mind becomes purer and purer from the depth level, the entire mental structure is so pure. It becomes a very positive, positive way of life. Always love, always compassion. One starts understanding the law of nature, universal law of nature. The law of nature is that whenever you break this law, you'll be punished. And when you live in line with the law, you'll be rewarded. What is the law of the nature? Keep your mind pure, free from negativities, free from impurities, and you are rewarded. When you find my mind is now free from any negativity or any impurity, you feel so much of peace, so much of harmony within yourself. The reward is there, then and there. You break the law, you generate any impurity in the mind, you are punished then and there. You notice when I generate any impurity in the mind, I become so miserable. The sensations are so unpleasant, I become so miserable. You call it the law of nature, you call it the law of God, makes no difference. Law is law, universal law, applicable to anyone. One may be white or black or yellow or brown, makes no difference. One may be a man or a woman, makes no difference. One may be of this religion or that religion, this country or that country, makes no religion, no difference. Human being is human being. Human mind is human mind. Come out of your misery. Don't harm yourself. Live in peace and harmony. When you harm yourself, when you generate negativity in the mind, you are the first victim, you become very miserable, and you never keep this misery limited to yourself. You keep on throwing this misery on others entire atmosphere becomes so tense when I generate anger, entire atmosphere. Anybody who comes in contact with me at that time becomes miserable. I make myself miserable. I make others miserable. What sort of life I am living? By this technique one starts realizing what sort of life I am living. I am harming myself. I am harming others. And when the mind is free from negativity, free from purity, as much as purity, from the depth, One achieves love, pure love without a trace of passion, without a trace of lust, pure love. Pure love is one with traffic. You just give without expecting anything in return. Pure love, compassion, goodwill. And if somebody is doing something wrong, tolerance, tolerance. They are the qualities, spiritual qualities. And that becomes in nature. You have to change the old nature, which was so harmful, harmful to you and harmful to others, and then change the nature which is so good for you and good for others. And that is why you kept on saying, you experience the truth and then only accept it. If someone said, live a moral life, yes, live a moral life. But when you experience, why live a moral life? It becomes so clear. Keep your mind pure, yes, pure, but why? When you feel, when I generate impurity, Look, I am becoming miserable. So in your selfish interest, the real selfish interest, don't punish yourself, don't harm yourself. Do a good life, peaceful life, harmonious life and generate nothing but peace and harmony for the atmosphere outside. This is vipassana. Can be practiced by anybody. That is why in the courses, the 10 day courses of vipassana, there is no religion in the world whose followers are not joining these 10 day courses. And not only ordinary followers, their leaders, the leaders of different religions are joining the courses. Because this spirituality, pure spirituality is acceptable to everybody and it is good for everybody. A Christian remains a good Christian, becomes a good Christian. a Hindu, a good Hindu, a good Muslim, a good Jewish, human being, a good human being. Unless one is a good human being, how can one be a good Christian or a good Hindu or a good Buddhist or a good Christian? Good human being. The whole teaching is how to become a good human being, how to live a peaceful, harmonious life within and how to generate nothing but peace and harmony for the atmosphere outside so that others can also live in peace and harmony. A wonderful technique which was lost from the mankind about 2,000 years ago. But one country maintained it in its pristine purity. Myanmar, very few people maintained it from teacher to pupil, teacher to pupil. Now it has come out and spreading around the world. People are accepting it. People of any faith, any religion, they've got no objection. They come to the courses, they get the same result, come to the courses, same result. Very miserable people, very hard criminals in the prison, how they start changing, not by sermons, by their practice. Look, when I generate any kind of criminal thought in my mind, there's nothing but misery for me, what I'm doing. I'm harming myself and the habit pattern starts changing. Not only the criminals in the jail, I say everyone is a prisoner, within the jail or outside jail, everyone is a prisoner, prisoner of one's own unwholesome habit pattern at the root of the mind and one's keep on suffering, suffering, come out of this suffering. Spare ten days of your life, it's very essential, otherwise you can't go to the depth. Some peace you can get. Some purity you can get at the surface, there are many techniques for that. Even in the name of Vipassana so many things have started. But if you want to go to the depth of the mind, develop your faculty to feel all kinds of sensations in the body and remain equanimous, at least 10 days, very important. I wish all of you to enjoy real happiness in the life, to live a pure spiritual life and spare 10 days and live. A happy life, peaceful life. May all of you be happy, be peaceful, be liberated from the misery, be liberated. If I don't react, does that mean I can't have any fun? You must have fun. You have to enjoy the life. It is not to become very sad in the life. Oh no, enjoy. Enjoy without any attachment. If you are attached to this fun, and when you don't get it, you become so miserable. So in a detached way, enjoy the life. Nothing wrong in it. How do I deal with my anger and fear about the terrible events of September 11th? Yes. I can understand, this terrible thing starts because of attachment to my religion, my religion. So kill people who are not of my religion, who have no belief as I have believed, this madness. Well, the state is there to look after our safety, our security. But then bigger safety and security is inside. When you become all the time full of fear, paranoid, what will happen? What will happen to me? Then without anything happening, you are suffering. So this technique will help you. Whenever fear arises, just accept the fact, at present there is fear in my mind. And again, a big discovery by the sunlight person, nothing can arise in mind without a sensation on the body. There must be physical sensation. Fear, there must be a sensation on the body. And this sensation is related to fear, and with the practice of vipassana you, you learn how to observe the sensation and remain equanimous, understanding it is impermanent. Fear is there. Don't relate it to fear due to this, due to that, fear is fear, abstract fear. And look, sensation, keep on observing impermanent, it is not eternal. Sensation is not eternal, fear is not eternal, let me see how long it lasts. Let me see, it becomes weaker and weaker. It can never overpower you. You come out of the habit, the wrong habit of becoming fearful all the time. This is a very wonderful way to come out of fear. Is it a problem if a yoga teacher includes Vipassana teachings in Hatha Yoga classes? Well, so far, when you say yoga, today the yoga has become only a physical exercise, asanas and pranayama. Nothing wrong. There's a physical exercise. If Vipassana is added to that, nothing wrong. But trouble starts when any kind of meditation, any kind of technique, is is used along with this Vipassana. Vipassana wants to observe the natural sensations that you experience, and different kinds of meditation generate artificial, artificial generation, artificial sensations, and there's a clash. So avoid adding any kind of meditational practice, but physical exercise perfectly all right. People often say, I meditate when I walk in nature or I meditate when I play my violin and when I dance, how is this different from what you teach? Difference is there. You say you are meditating, that means you are keeping your mind calm and you are doing all these things perfectly all right. But you lost the depth of your mind because you are missing the sensations. With the awareness of sensation, whatever you do, is perfectly all right. Because you are aware of sensation, you are equanimous with the sensation, then everything that you do is positive. This is not a blind reaction, so negativity is involved. No negativity is involved. Whenever there is a negativity, whenever there is a blind reaction, there is negativity. Whenever there is no negativity, mind is positive, full of love, full of compassion, then all other action automatically become pure. What if you start, if you start crying in the middle of your questionnaire? Why cry? The person is not to cry, they remain happy all the time. But sometime emotion arises while you are practicing, a memory of the past, a thought of the future, fear of the future arises, And one starts reacting and starts crying, what will happen? What will happen or what happened in the past? Vipassana is the answer. Instead of crying, accept the fact. Now my mind is rolling in the past and this kind of emotion is arising, which makes me cry, which makes me unhappy. Observe it with the sensation. Observe it. It becomes weaker, weaker, passes away. No use crying. Never cry. Does the Chakra has anything to do with my breathing? Yes, Chakra started in my country in India about five, six or seven hundred years after Vipassana was lost. People were just having a memory that there used to be a technique by which you get sensation throughout the body, but how to get the sensation? The first part was lost. The anapana, awareness of the breath, awareness of the breath without any imagination, no verbalization, that was lost. So you don't feel sensation everywhere. And people were eager to get sensations. To so the spinal cord, people started getting sensations there. Nerve centers, it's easy to get sensation there. And when, when they started getting, oh, wonderful, now my Kundalini is arisen. Good. But if you had be understanding it, this sensation is also anicca, impermanent, impermanent, and you keep your mind equanimous, it becomes vipassana. Otherwise your habit pattern remains the same. How much does it cost to attend a 10-day Vipassana course? Can you give that cost? It is invaluable. What value can be tagged on the teaching of Vipassana? So invaluable. The moment a value is tagged on that, it is no more spirituality. Then spiritually becomes a business. Then you start making money out of that. It becomes your livelihood. And the purity is lost. So no, no, no cost, nothing has to be given for the teaching. Even no cost for your staying there for ten days. Lodging, boarding, everything is free. Then from where the money comes? It doesn't rain from the sky, from where it comes. Those who participate, 10 days and they find it is so good, such a big change has come in their life. Then evolution arises. More and more people should get this wonderful technique. So many people are miserable, rich or poor, all are miserable. If they get this technique, they will come out of misery. So evolution to help others, share their own peace and harmony with others, people do need. Nobody asks any donation. Nobody question who has given or not given. Very few people know who has given or not given. Others not know and nobody requests. It's by voluntary donation and the chakra, the Dhamma keeps on moving like that. But still you have to pay. I again remind you, you won't get anything without giving anything. You have to give. You have to give 10 valuable days of your invaluable life. If you don't give that, you are far away from Vipassana. What is the difference between the terms inside meditation and vipassana meditation? It's the same. Whatever word you use, the technique sh- should remain pure. You call it insight, you call it vipassana, you call it vidarshana, there are so many names. But the technique is, first thing, you have to make your mind very sharp, and that is only possible if you work on a very small area, otherwise the mind remains scattered. Mind must be one-pointed one pointed awareness, one-pointed concentration, so you have to keep it here, and only with the truth... No imag- imagination should be involved, no verbalization, no visualization. That's the first part of it. Then you start feeling sensations. If you don't feel sensation, you call it insight or vipassana, it doesn't help. You give any name. Sensations are sensations everywhere. Every particle of the body, you must feel sensations. And your ability to remain equanimous with the sensation, then you call any name. Name doesn't matter, you get the same result. What is the relationship between an illness such as cancer and vipassana. All kinds of illness which are related to mind, such illness automatically go away. They are psychosomatic, mind is ill and that makes the body also ill. But there are pure physical illness like this cancer, yes. A few cases a few cases I remember, there was blood cancer and one started practicing, practicing, the doctors, the best doctors, one, one very superior doctor from the United States came to India to see this uh, person and they all said hardly one or two months, he can't live more than that. And he decided if I have to die, let me die in the Vipassana Center, it doesn't matter, I have to die. He kept on working. Now it is 20 years, he's quite healthy. And he has become a teacher of Vipassana now. So this does not mean that all cancers will get cured. Don't come with that idea. But one thing is sure, that you are able to maintain your mind free from the fear of death, free from the misery of the pain that you have in cancer. We hear a number of cases who are, who are suffering from cancer, and terminal stage of cancer is so unbearable pain. But this could be vipassana meditators. No medicine to make me unconscious. I'll just observe, just observe. Without becoming unconscious, without fear, without crying, they pass away easily. Wonderful death, art of dying. But art of dying one gets by understanding and practicing art of living. When you know how to live peacefully, you die also peacefully. So in this way, pure physical ailments can also be faced by vipassana without getting very much disturbed in mind. Have you taught vipassana in American prisons? Certainly. What do you believe is the greatest benefit for the prisoners who meditate? Same benefit as with everybody. I feel so compassionate when I go and and teach in the prison. They are so miserable. One big misery is, whatever crime they have committed, but the misery is, they are far away from their family, they are far away from the comforts of their house, and they are living in a situation which is very uncomfortable, very unpleasant. But bigger misery is, they are prisoners of another jail inside, another prison inside. All the time they are generating nothing but negativity. When I go out, I will kill so-and-so, I will take revenge. I will kill that who gave witness against me. I will kill that judge. I will kill that police officer. All sorts of nothing but revenge, anger by Vipassana. When they start experiencing their sensation and they find, whenever I generate this kind of negativity, look, I become so miserable. I become so miserable. Nobody wants to become miserable. So at least this misery, this misery which is generated because of the negativity, the depth of the mind, they are coming out of it. Sometimes a jail officer informs us that we can't believe, such a hard criminal, how he has changed so much, how he has changed so much. A change is bound to come and that is why prison courses are given not only in India, not only in America, in many countries. And the same result everywhere. Is it possible to take strong action, even violent action, in protection of oneself, one's family or one's country without increasing the negativity in oneself or in the world. You have to take strong action. If you allow somebody to harm you or harm others, that means you are supporting this person, and this person will keep on harming others. So first, with all the love and compassion, you try to explain this person what you are doing is wrong, you are harming yourself, harming others, but there are people who won't understand all those things. Then you have to take hard action, hard vocal action, hard physical action, but before taking such hard action, for a few seconds observe what is happening within myself, observe your sensations, you are equanimous, there is no anger, there is no hatred, only compassion, because this person does not understand the language of compassion, understand the soft language, so I have to use hard action, hard language, but I have compassion for this person, then nothing wrong. Otherwise you start harming yourself first and you want to rectify others. A lame person cannot help another lame person. A blind person cannot help another blind person. So become strong and with the moral strength inside, take strong action. I don't believe in rebirth. What am I getting liberated from? You believe in this birth. Forget the next birth. You believe in this birth. And in this birth you are so miserable. You keep on generating some impurity or the other you are miserable. Come out of that misery. Forget what happens after death. If there is a rebirth it will be good. If there is no no rebirth, better. Forget (laughs) the rebirth. Give more importance to the present. What What role does faith and devotion play in vipassana practice? Having faith in the law of nature is wonderful. But when you have faith in this philosophical belief or that philosophical belief and you get attached to that, it is a dangerous thing. You start harming others, you start harming yourself. So have faith. First understand what is the law of nature. What nature wants us, wants us to, how nature wants us to live, or how the God Almighty wants us to live. Live with a pure mind, full of love, compassion. This is the law of the nature, and I have got full faith in that, I have got full devotion in that, and that is why I am working in Vipassana, to get myself live in line with the law of nature. What part of your teaching is not found in Sanatana Dharma? Good question. Everything is found in in Sanatana Dharma, but what is missing is the practice, and practice at the depth. We are making now a research in our city, all the words of Buddha are there, the commentaries, sub-commentaries, about 50,000 pages are inserted there. And all the scriptures of Hindus, the Vedas, the Puranas, the Mahabharata, the Ramayana, all are there, and now we are putting all the Jain scriptures. And a comparative study is made. Everywhere the teaching is the same. Spiritual teaching is there. But the practice is missing. Even if there is practice, it is practice to work only on the surface level. They miss the sensation where the mind starts generating impurity. That part is missing and that is why I was attracted and I found it so helpful and people getting attracted. A follower of Hindu Sanatana Dharma remains follower, nothing wrong in that, but gets a technique which gives the real result which the Sanatana Dharma also wants. Do good deeds and peace from this life helps us in future life. Certainly, if there is a future life, it is just a continuation, continuation of this mind, flow of mind. And if this flow of mind is very impure, it will get only impurity in future. If the mind is purer, 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 if there is a the next life, certainly it will be purer and happier. In Vipassana, the only method of purity, liberation the mind. Can other meditation teachings liberate a practitioner? Yes. there are many techniques, even in the name of Vipassana. So many of my students here and also in India, having taken one or two courses with good volition, they started teaching. People get benefit. We are not against that. But they don't go to the depth of the mind. They miss these two things, working with the anapana, working with this breath on a small area, without verbalization, without visualization, pure breath, bare breath. And in the, with, when they work in the name of Vipassana, this sensation, that sensation, here some sensation, there's some sensation, but the entire body, they can't feel sensation in the entire body. Even if they feel they don't go to the depth where there is peace, with very subtle vibrations. If that is there, then any name one gives. Otherwise, merely the name of Vipassana and people start working on that, they don't get the real benefit. What is the earliest age we should give dharma to our children? Before birth. <laughs> Many pregnant mothers come to the course. Then you are working not only for yourself, you are also working for the child. You give so good vibration. A pregnant mother, if she keeps on generating anger, hatred, passion, what message you are giving to this child? He's got all those vibrations and whole life will be full of this misery. But when you come to be a and you work, purification of mind, purification of mind, love, pure love, compassion, the child that comes out is a dhamma baby. And many mothers come to get dhamma baby. I want a dhamma baby, so I come to be a so it must be given before birth, but any time after birth also, it will be helpful. Don't miss this wonderful technique which has come to the world now, it was lost for the last 1500-2000 years, it has come to the world, people have started accepting it, people from different religions have started accepting it, give it trial. As I gave a trial for 10 days and I found it so helpful. Does one need to practice daily to get benefit from Vipassana? Certainly. If you learn some physical exercise, say yoga, pranayam, and different postures of the body, good. Or you have any other physical exercise, but you have to practice every day, otherwise you won't get the benefit of that exercise. Similarly, you learn for 10 days, what sort of practice it? and then every day morning and evening you practice and you get the benefit. Then you start applying it in life. Otherwise again, ten days might become a rite or a ritual or a ceremony and you get a certificate, I am a Vipassana meditator, I have taken a ten day course. Won't help. Practice every day. Why is ten days necessary to learn Vipassana? The habit of bargaining is there. (laughs) I was also involved in this habit, being a businessman in my life, one of my teachers said, Ten days. I said, Sir, it is not possible. I am such a busy person. Ten days for me to spare ten days, my business, my industry, and so much social responsibility. I have got family responsibilities. Ten days not possible. I am very intelligent. You just give me your technique, I will work at home. I will get the same result. <laughs> Nothing doing. All right, one day enough. Two days, sir. Why ten days? You can't get anything. It is only on the surface you remain. It's a deep surgical operation of the mind. And for that, continuous practice, continuity of the practice, the secret of success, so far as Vipana is concerned. So ten days you keep on doing nothing but whatever is asked you, whatever is asked you to practice, you keep on practicing, 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 and you go to the depth. Otherwise you can't go to the depth. Why is India, the country of Buddha, so poor and so corrupt, because it has lost Vipassana. <laughs> it was an ideal country after Buddha. We have got a historical record, Emperor Ashoka. The country was so peaceful. And there are rock edicts where he has written that there were so many rulers before me who wanted the subject, the, the public, to be very peaceful, harmonious, not quarreling paying respect to the elders, living a moral life. No one was successful. I am successful. Why? Because I teach meditation to the people. The entire country, such a vast country at that time, starting from Afghanistan to Bangalore, from Himalayas to down, whole whole country became so peaceful. No invasion from outside. Inside also, no such communal riots as we have today. It was all because of Vipassana. Again when Vipassana arises, it will be good for the country and it will be good for the whole world.
0: There are many more questions but we only have time for one more.
1: Good. After one I am liberated. Good. (laughs) Can Mrs. Goenka speak or her Vipassana understanding, learning? Yes. She speaks in the courses, she teaches the Indian females in their language, Hindi language. She can't speak English, but her own meditation is so good, it helps so many females. Another big problem in India, there is a very wrong impression about Buddha and Buddha's teaching. One wrong impression is Buddha taught only for the monks and the nuns, not for the householders. He was not interested in householders because he left his family, his wife, his child, so he was not interested in family life. This is totally wrong. When I go through the, the, the words of Buddha, he has given more sermons to the householders, how to live, how to live peacefully. But the whole country feels, Buddhism is not for us, because it is only for the monks, only for the nuns. I have to give them an example. Look, I am a householder, and I carry such a big testimonial, that I am a householder, so that people have confidence. Buddha's teaching is for the householders also. For that purpose, she is always with me and she helps me in teaching to people. May all of you find time to experience the truth, to experience peace and harmony within yourself and keep growing in this purity and live a good life, live a good life.